Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All of the movies are available from the major streaming services that you can participate with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. Joining me this week is Alicia Walker. Hello. Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Zach Roland. Hello. And tonight's movie was suggested by Aaron. It is Whiplash from back in 2014. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Christine, what have you been watching lately? Well, over the weekend, I watched uh, both episodes of uh, both parts of the documentary In Search of Darkness. Uh, after we watched the second part together, I went back and watched cool. the first. They were both really great. Um, and then I watched uh, Graduation Day, which was featured on the second part. And I have to say, one of the best parts of that movie was uh, Vanna White has a small yep. bit part in that. And in it, <laughs> in it, she says that she wets her pants, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> um. And then I was on a little bit of a horror kick after that, and I went after watching watched, nine hours uh, of In Search of Darkness documentaries. Yes, exactly, exactly. You, yeah. Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> so I watched uh, the Red Queen kill seven times. Uh, that was really good. And then I watched um, another movie featured on part two of In Search of Darkness: uh, Henry Portrait yep. of a Serial Killer. Um, and that was good as well. Yeah. Um, other. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to tell people, um, in search of darkness is this documentary series that is basically like, it's almost like just kind of watching a bunch of trailers for movies. Um, but they interview people and they talk about like what was groundbreaking or interesting about these different horror movies. And they made one a couple of years ago, that's just called in search of darkness. It's four and a half hours long. Um, it covers the 1980s and then they like kickstarted or somehow funded a second round of it. And they just basically went into more movies. It's still the eighties, but there's another. So the second one is also four and a half hours long. And it also talks about the eighties. Um, the second one goes in a little bit more depth with some of the actors that are interviewed in it. Um, where they kind of talk about their career in horror a little bit more. And uh, um, the second one has just just come out. Um, we got it last month. And they're talking about now making a third one um, now that they're sort of out of 80s horror movies. They're actually going to focus on uh, direct-to-video horror for the third installment. So that should be interesting. Other than that, I watched uh, part of Murder Among the Mormons on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, I watched through that. That's been pretty good so far. And then I watched all of Ginny and Georgia just because it's something just silly to watch. Um, right on. It was. And then um, I've been watching uh, Alan versus Pharaoh on. HBO okay. Max. How is that? Yes. 
it's pretty good. I uh, I was really young when all of that happened, so I didn't know a whole lot yeah. about it. So it's been really interesting and eye opening. You don't know me. anything but besides the late night talk show jokes about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I knew I knew that Woody Allen and Suni were together, but I didn't know like more of the backstory right. of it. I knew it was weird and I knew like some of the backstory, but not like anything to do with Mia Farrow right. and stuff like right. that. So Okay. Aaron, how about you? Uh I've also been watching uh Jenny and Georgia. Pretty decent show, like nothing to write home about, but it'll kill time. Um, outside of that, I've been putting together uh, a pretty decent horror collection. Uh, recently rewatched some of the old Nightmare on Elm Streets, uh, picked up Return to Horror High, uh, some of the Newcomb High movies, uh, Trimmers. Uh, the older ones, not not the newer ones. Um, but that's that's pretty much what I've been watching. Pizza's done. No, my uh, my roommate oh, okay. let the smoke alarm go off in the kitchen. Burning so down good. the house. <laughs> Pizza's definitely <laughs> done. Then, <laughs> yeah, this kitchen it's is pasta, done. So it's <laughs> I see smoke. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> this yeah. episode brought to you by Done Pizza. <laughs> Christine has a fog effect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> Brooks and It's not Dunn. done. It's not DiGiorno. I had to. <laughs> uh. Zach, what have you been watching? Oh, gosh. I've got. I, this is going to be a fun episode for me, guys, because I've been penting up all of this emotion from so many things the last <laughs> couple weeks since I missed our last uh, recording. Uh, Bear with me, because here we go. I'm gonna start off. I'm gonna start off with movies. I did me another rewatch of Godzilla: King of the Monsters because I'm excited as heck for the Godzilla versus Kong movie. I love those trashy popcorn movies. Dale knows, Aaron knows, everybody knows. Oh, I can't wait. It's gonna be awful, but I can't wait for the destruction. Um, and I went back, so I just wanted to, you know, catch myself up. But I tend to watch any and all of these movies just randomly. I'll be like, I'm gonna put that on and fall asleep to it, uh, which was really fun to w- wake I, up. to. I have to interject here. I'm Go ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Um, you, you I, I take it from your statement that you enjoyed Godzilla: King of the Monsters. Yeah. Didn't you also enjoy that episode of Game of Thrones that you couldn't see the battle that oh, was going on? It's my favorite episode of Game of Thrones. It's the same thing. <laughs> like, you can't see anything that's going on. Why do you enjoy these things? I don't know if you know this about me, Aaron, but I have spectacular vision. I can see things that people cannot see in film, and I choose to watch this uh, this unwatchable because I am a, I'm a mutant. I'm just going to say it. I'm a mutant, and that that's the truth. <laughs> You have cat vision, obviously. Thank you, yes. Yes. Uh, well, like Christine says, I am a cat. I can see in the dark. I don't. I don't know if the like <laughs> the darkness of that Game of Thrones episode is even in the top ten list of problems with that episode. But yeah, very true. It's all good. But yeah, I'm go for it. I love it till the end of days. Um, so very excited about that. Also, want to sneak in. Very excited about the uh, Snyder cut of the Justice League. Finally, we get the true 
cut. Um, guys, yeah, I, I can't wait to tell you all about it. I'm so excited. I'm watching it when it drops. Period. All right. Um, Spoilers. I it sucks. <laughs> I hate you, Dale. <laughs> um, still gonna love it. Love Zack Snyder. I uh, started. I, I finished. Uh, of course, as most Americans did, or maybe most, I suppose, uh, WandaVision uh, week to week. I enjoyed the uh, finale. I know Dale doesn't subscribe to such shows, uh, but uh, that's why he's shaking his head for those. I don't have uh, Disney. Hey man, I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah. I don't have Disney. Plus. I, I haven't bought anything you've said up to this point, but I'm with you on WandaVision. Woohoo! I'll take it. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I, I liked it all the way through and, and enjoyed that. So just wanted to sneak that in there before I get to the second Nexium documentary that I'm subjecting myself to. <laughs> <laughs> called seduced inside the nexium cult on stars oh oh that's the bad it. one uh, yeah so hbo came out with theirs not too long ago yeah we watched the through HBO that one. one's good yes and then i watched both and of them, then yeah. so then i'm <laughs> sitting there with my wife we're talking because we're like let's watch the one on stars now because it's all about india and her experience so then we were like wait a second so there's going to be a season two of the hbo one because india was also doing her own documentary while the hbo people were doing their documentary and she wasn't talking to them because she was doing her own documentary and i'm like this is this yeah. is trash this is all trash yeah. <laughs> like why am I doing this to myself? Oh, I can't. So, um, yeah, the whole series is out. And like Christine said, she watched through it. Um, we're doing it piece at a time because I can only handle so much Nexium and Keith Raniere. Um, but holy shit, I can't believe that this is like happening. Like, why? Why are we doing yeah. this to ourselves? Yeah, I watched um, yeah. Heaven's Gate: The Cult of Cults this week. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, that's been out for a while, but I was just kind of looking through true crime stuff and uh, that sucks. It's that's a it bad documentary. Um, I mean, the cult yeah. of cults <laughs> makes it sound already. bad. Well, I mean, the big thing with that was that instead of it being like a, a, a traditional like documentary, their big thing was that they had a bunch of footage that the heaven's gate cult had shot themselves. Um, mm. no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but so, so like most of the documentary is like ex members or people that got out before the suicide or whatever talking about stuff. And then they're showing like people singing in meetings or talking about stuff or, um, like personal video messages that the leader, recorded and sent to different people or audio tapes that he recorded and sent to people. And it is just the most boringest thing ever. Um, Cause it, it doesn't really get into like, they talk about kind of the psychology of cults and how people can get duped into, into becoming a cult member. That part of it's interesting. That's like 20 minutes of one of the episodes and the rest of it is just, um, just endless footage of every, all these people with the same haircut singing like ridiculous lyrics over sound of music songs that they've written for <laughs> their, for their cult. I mean, I did that in high school in drama club. Is that not the same? Did you record it? <laughs> and did you, did you um, have a mass suicide at the end? 
I'm pretty sure we have a recording somewhere. And someone might make a crappy documentary about it. So, <laughs> all right, I'll watch it. Um, all right, <laughs> please don't. So it's, it's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one that I I really got to get into with everybody with this, and I know some of you have already seen this crime scene, the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. We've already talked about uh-huh. it. I finally watched yep. it. The first first episode, I was like, okay, a little overproduced, but I'm into it. Finally, I'd never seen that video of the girl before, so I was shocked. Oh, like in the elevator? And yeah, never, I'd okay. never seen it before. Did not follow it on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, great. So first episode, I'm like, cool, I'm hooked. Second episode, I'm like, okay, now they introduce more of the internet sleuths and all this stuff. By the time we get to the third episode, I am so mad. I am just like beside myself with emotion, and it's mostly fury because I'm so sick of the internet sleuths being so wrong about everything yeah. and them accusing that guy of being the murderer. And, and then I was like, oh, I was beside myself. Yeah. I was just like, this is insane. So I thought that that, overall, that documentary uh, series actually handled that topic really well. The fact that they devoted sure. like basically the last two episodes are all about that. Um, and, and the story of what actually happened to the girl. Cause I, I, I've right. said this before on the podcast, like I knew the story and what happened and like how it, like what they found out eventually, mm-hmm. um, before I started watching the documentary. So I was like, well, how are they going to stretch this to this much time? Because, you know, this is, yeah. you know, I, I've seen it in like, you know, a 30 minute, you know, uh, real crime what are those things called? There's there's like a whole series on YouTube that they make them over in uh, in England somewhere. Uh, it's like real stories or something like that, and they're like thirty to sixty minutes long, and they'll go through and talk about a crime like that and a mystery like that. So I already knew everything that was going to happen. So I thought that that whole internet sleuthing thing was interesting, and I thought they handled it way way way, way better than uh, don't fuck with cats. Right, which is the comparison that we make, I think, directly to it, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I just think, yeah, I think they handled it well. I just found emotions that I didn't expect to have. Yeah. Because I was like... Because of that I, poor guy I, that got blamed for... Yes. Yeah. Him, for sure. Also, just because I hated every single internet sleuth that was on there for making all of these <laughs> crazy assumptions. And then also, I was like watching it, and I'm like, it's pretty simple, like I figured out what happened to her pretty much like right away, just because you see this weird video. Everybody's like making up all these conspiracies, and I love conspiracies. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but like you got to take them with a grain of salt because it's like it's clear as day what happened to her. I don't right. know why, how anybody could think otherwise. I don't know. I just I was so emotional, and I'm still emotional, as you could tell. Yeah, because ah, uh, it makes me mad. It just makes me so mad. <laughs> The the week that that documentary aired was the week that Discovery Plus uh, became a streaming network, and there's also a Ghost Adventures where they look at the Hotel Jesus. Cecil. Dude, you have well, to there's look a lot up, more man. going it's on awesome. at the hotel than just that story. <laughs> like, there's a history right. at oh, that yeah. hotel, and um, that American Horror Story season hotel yeah. is is closely based on um, the the Clio or whatever it's called, hotel. Cecil. Cecil. Um, but yeah, 
uh, it's, uh, yeah, we'd basically like, it boils down to the, the police one time said something wrong. Right. That's it. And the internet went crazy about it. Yeah. And almost destroyed tons of people's lives because yeah. of it. It, it. it was still open, guys. <laughs> it was still open. Ugh. So stupid. If, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> it's an okay documentary. Alicia, All how right. about you? Uh, I also finished the Cecil Hotel. Um, yeah, I'm going to say edit out the last five minutes of podcast because <laughs> I took my headphones off because I didn't want to be spoiled on whatever the heck it is. It's all right. Sorry. We didn't, we didn't say anything. No, it's all right. It just, we didn't ruin too much. It's I right. pulled We're a Dale. I'm sorry. I literally didn't spoil it. <laughs> we'll spread it around. No, he didn't. But yeah. I don't I don't want to know anything. I literally yeah, didn't spoil it. he wants to go in blind. That's okay. Uh, so, in addition to uh, finishing up that, uh, we watched the full four-part series Lady in the Dale on HBO Max. No relation to Dale. <laughs> and, that's my uh, first time. I do call my yeah. wife the lady, funnily enough. <laughs> that's a, that's 100% Perfect. true, not a joke. Um, well, unless one of you has invented a three-wheeled car and uh, is trans, I don't know how much it actually relates to your check life. Check and not so check. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, He'll leave you to figure anyway, out which a, one. It's a short docu-series about kind of one of those interesting uh, time periods in history, those kind of maybe little-known stories before, but someone of you know living in the late 70s, early 80s might remember uh, the media circus and stuff that was surrounding uh, the invention, the the attempted production of this three-wheeled car called the Dale. But of course, where it gets interesting is more the CEO of the company, um, Liz Carmichael, and and who she is, her identity, and, and of course, looking at it through a modern-day lens of... Um, uh, I think I've seen the trailer for this. Yeah, of being because because she's trans and so in an early but it's, it's person, completely she's completely fooled everyone. Everyone believes that she's a woman, right? Well, I mean, it's hard when you fooled. You know, I mean, she but she's living as a woman in, far yeah. enough back in the past that trans was not a topic that everyone knew about and understood, right? And so she right. was passing as that female. becomes more of the spectacle more than anything is yeah. the fact that she is trans. So uh, there's a lot more in it. There's there's some twists and turns. I think one of the more interesting things about it is um, there's a lot of narration of events and uh, people recounting things. And so to fill the screen at that time, they have some really great animation uh, that is kind of you know like a. a construction paper-esque South Parky kind of a thing where yeah. they've taken the the real photos of people from the time and kind of animated them and moved them around and gave them expressions and things. So that's actually some of what's really entertaining about it is what they've chosen to depict while they're telling the story of what's going on. So uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I think it was the right length. I don't think it needed to be longer. Um, so I think we both enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah, you said uh, and that, we, and it immediately reminded me that um, there is a brief section in the Heaven's Gate documentary that's animated that if I could cut it out and share it with all of you, I would, because it's really, <laughs> really amazing and well done. Um, it's <laughs> just like a bunch of shapes like morphing into other things. Um, yeah. It, 
when they're talking about like how they're going to change physical forms into being like the higher beings or the alien form. Um, but the art just goes completely like surrealistic and weird. And it's a really well done animated sequence and a much needed respite from like VHS footage of a, a bunch of, a bunch of weird looking people hanging out in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely added something to this doc too, although it's, it's not just one segment it's quite a, a big portion of actually every episode really. Um, especially when they don't have video footage of what was actually happening at the time. So a lot of the early story, but um, yeah, it was, it was pretty well done. And uh, we just started watching uh, behind her eyes on Netflix, uh-huh. uh, which we had heard some good things about, and we've only watched two episodes of The Six right now, but it's a, a book turned into a limited series, I assume a limited series, um, and and it's good. It's it's intriguing. It's, it's some suspense, thriller. You're trying to figure out what's going on, flashbacks, that kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing that up hopefully this week. Okay. Nathan, how about you? Um, okay, so I watched uh, another Wim Wenders movie. Uh, this one was Wrong Move. Um, Wim Wenders, I mean, I, I've seen about four or five of his now, and he either goes completely spacey and ethereal with his storyline and storytelling, or he doesn't. And this was one of his more spacey ones. And I, I, I don't think I was quite in the mood for it. Um, it was, it was pretty good, but I don't, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the one I just watched before that. Um, I started getting into a little bit of toast of London. Yeah. It's one of those things that Netflix, I think is where I'm watching it has recommended to me exhaustively as if I was supposed to just jump in. We've talked about it on the show before. Yeah. So Zach is pointing to a, a toast of London, uh, t-shirt. Uh, so I'm just going to say, I, I know you guys have talked about it, but it's been highly entertaining. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. I'm probably about seven episodes in, but I am just getting the giggles out of nothing, but <laughs> the, uh, the voiceover sessions he has in that first season. Uh, I don't know if he, they continue through the whole series. I'd be happy if they did, but just, him going in and doing his take on whatever they're doing, whether it's just the word yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> or the, yes. Uh, the, the submarine sub commands. Oh my God. There's just some good stuff in there. Uh, um, yeah. I also finished WandaVision. I, I, you know, I think the, th- the funny thing about watching WandaVision, anybody that watches it based on a recommendation now is going to have to, deal without you know enjoy it without having all the subtext that's going on in the media the circus around it and i i kind of think that was half the fun (laughs) (laughs) so i feel a little bad but i i did enjoy it for its own sake what it was um and then the last thing i i i'm going to add to the list here is and i don't usually watch this sort of thing because i'm not the person that people go oh he knows all about you know who married who and what movie star got divorced from who. Um, I watched the Megan and Harry interview with Oprah, and I thought it was actually pretty fascinating. Um, I do listen to Terry Gross occasionally on NPR, so I can appreciate a good interviewer. Oprah's pretty damn good. I mean, I you know I only watched her occasionally, like if I was sick when I was growing up, but <laughs> before she was giving away cars and crap, you know, it was just 
normal talk show business. Yeah. And you get a car and you, and, and bees. Bees. You ever seen that meme? Yeah. <laughs> I use that all the but time. She's, she's really good. I mean, she does, she rides the line really well between being empathetic, but also pushing them that, right. The amount that she needed to do to get the information out of them. It's a, it's a fascinating interview to watch. So totally recommend it actually. Right on. Well, um, I uh, I watched the Murder Among the Mormons uh, docuseries on Netflix. Um, again, this was a story I knew before I watched it, but I still enjoyed it okay for what it was. And it's three episodes, so it's not going to take up the rest of your life if you decide you're not into it. Um, you can you can make your way through a few episodes. Um. <laughs> I I got a trial subscription for uh, Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access, the uh, the network where you could boldly go where literally no one has gone before because um, there was no one subscribed to it. Um, and I watched a a pretty a pretty bog standard uh, procedural crime show called Instinct, starring Alan Cumming. And um, it was it was just something that was nice to have on in the background and watch Alan coming run around and be crazy for a little while. Um, and then the main thing uh, that I saw, um, yeah, Christina and I watched the In Search of Darkness 2 uh, documentary together last week. But uh, I also watched um, a fairly new uh, series on Netflix called Ordeal by Innocence which is an Agatha Christie story. Um, it's three episodes. Uh, they're about an hour or so each. Um, and there's, it's, it's one, it's, it's kind of different from, um, it's not like a Poro story. Like there's not like an investigator at the lead kind of at the head of the story. This is more of an ensemble thing. Um, so you're kind of watching all these different people but it's basically one of these things where like, you know, over time you find out that pretty much everyone had a motive to kill the person who gets killed. And it's just a question of figuring out who it actually was and, and why it actually happened. Um, Cause the first thing that happens right out of the gate is the murder happens. It gets blamed on someone and that someone dies in prison before their trial. And everybody thinks it's just over. And then, a mystery man shows up and says that he's actually the alibi for the guy who was blamed for it. And lots of conspiracies and things go by. Uh, Bill Nye is the patriarch of the family. Um, he's kind of the biggest name in it, but um, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised by it. It's, it's, kind of confusing on purpose, especially at first. Um, they do this thing where uh, at the end of the, at the end of an episode, while the credits are going, they'll give you a screen of credits and then the screen will go away and they'll show you like three seconds of something that happens later in the story without context. And so later when you get the full scene around what that, that preview was, it it's it blends in and makes more sense and all that, but you see a lot of stuff at the end of each episode. It's like, wait, what? And why is she 
she's got blood all over her face. Why did did she? But and then later you find out, oh well, that's why she has blood all over her face. It's that kind of thing. Um, so it keeps you guessing. Um, I wolfed through all three of them right in a row, and it was it was a great little Agatha Christie jaunt. So, um, but uh, there was a movie we watched. It's called Whiplash. Um, I think everyone had seen it before. Is there anyone who had not seen Whiplash? Okay, I had not. let's start with you, Christine. What did you think of Whiplash? <laughs> we always we always start with the I... with the newbies. <laughs> yes, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, for a movie that was definitely about the music and everything, it definitely had like a feeling of almost a psychological thriller meets a sports yep. movie. Um, and I am not a big sports movie kind of person, but I like this uh, because it brought that musical aspect into it. Um, and definitely when uh, they're walking down, when J.K. Simmons is walking down the hallway at the beginning and it's just that long hallway shot. I'm like, oh, here it comes. There's going to be like a jump scare or something. <laughs> you know, I'm always waiting for that. <laughs> and then uh, when he comes to the classroom at the beginning also and just like uh, is lurking like behind the door and you just see a shadow. I'm like, okay, so he's the villain. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Like, <laughs> um, Definitely. Uh, up my alley in that regard. Uh, and uh, that scene where he's just making those three drummers like switch back yeah. and forth, that totally gave me anxiety. And I'm like, okay, I my heartbeat is racing. I'm feeling sweaty just like watching this. It's yeah. crazy. But I overall enjoyed it. They use some really interesting things with sound design, which isn't surprising for a movie about music that centers around music. But there's a lot of subtle stuff going on where, um, like in that scene that you mentioned, there's the drums, which the drums are fast and crazy and frenetic, and that kind of makes you a little bit anxious. But there's also, like, a lot of the times they'll just have this kind of low-frequency bass note sustaining through it. And that note just gets louder and louder and louder as the as the show goes on. Yeah. And so that just starts like, you know, uh, literally vibrates you, and 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 makes you feel more and more anxious as you're as you're watching through it. So I could definitely relate to that. And yeah, I think the sports movie uh, comment is very apt. I think this is very much a sports movie about playing jazz drums as if jazz drums yeah. were <laughs> a sport somehow. So, um, Zach, how about you? Yeah, I actually have, Oh, this is going to be fun. Um, so first I want to start off with, uh, the guy who plays as the main core drummer at first, I think his name is Nate or something like that. Uh, huh. um, my wife uh, coached him in improv in New York. Okay, um, and knew him, and he thought you were going to tell me that about... she coached Miles Teller, and I was going to be like, "No, she didn't." <laughs> no, no, because I have things to say about Miles Teller. Let me tell we, you, we all do. Um, yeah, 
I um so just want to throw that out there, a little connection to the film. Um but uh His I name have was a history Paul with this Reiser. film. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, Paul Reiser. Yeah. <laughs> um so I have a history with this film. I saw it about the time it came out. Uh one of the few people who did see it about the time it came out heard a little bit of buzz about it. And uh I watched it and I hated it. Um I I just with all my heart, I, I hate Miles Teller. I think yeah. he is a terrible actor. Um, I think that he's a mockery to acting because he's even st- said that he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't come from a background of acting. He doesn't practice. He doesn't, he doesn't do any of the things that actors do. He just fell into it or whatever with whatever that fucking movie was in o- over 21 or whatever. Or I can't even remember now. Um, anyway, yeah, he I is, just, uh, he is not great. Yeah, I just I've never liked the guy. I've seen him in one other film that I've ever liked him in, which was um, the one about the firefighters um, who were in Arizona that got killed in the Bell Fire. Um, and he was like the guy who played the only survivor. So it's based off of a true story. Um, and that I just felt like it wasn't necessarily him. It was just the rest of the characters and the acting and everything that w- I enjoyed. But yeah. anyway. So my first attempt at Whiplash, I was completely put off. I hated it. And then people would ask me about it and I'd, and they'd be like, hey, have you seen Whiplash? And I'd be like, yeah, I hated it. And they'd be like, what? How could you hate Whiplash? It's so good. Right. It's so this. And I was like, well, J.K. Simmons is phenomenal in it, which is why he was nominated for a thousand awards. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else in it, I just didn't grasp onto, especially because I felt like Miles Teller ruined it for me. So flash forward <laughs> till... Yesterday, when I watched it again, I have completely changed my mind. Uh-huh. I I watched it this time for the cinematic value and the emotional value. And I let go of my hatred of Miles Teller, and it completely changed my opinion on the film for those rega- like those uh, components. Yeah. Uh, cinematically, I thought it was beautiful. I loved the shots. I was studying the shots. Also, to think about, too, this is after I started working in the film and television industry. So I have a totally different approach to watching stuff now than I did pre-2015 when I had never stepped foot on a set before. Yeah. Um, So I think that the cinematography was phenomenal. I thought the emotion was very well driven. J.K. Simmons was phenomenal as much as ever. Uh, Still, like I said, didn't really care for the Miles Teller stuff, but um, I bald at the end of this film mm-hmm. at, at the when the credits hit after the drum solo i lost it because i have felt that way in so many different regards and i think i just associated a little bit more with the life with that with that drive with what jk simmons was saying and like thinking about the people in your life that are more like him there's just so much emotion and i thought it was beautiful so it's been a wild ride, and that's my take on Whiplash. <laughs> I literally got whiplashed by Whiplash. No, I didn't. Literally, um, no. I was, I was, uh, I was, I was really impressed with it. So I'm glad I got a second go at it because it really did change my perspective. Cool. So Miles Teller just didn't bother you as much on this. I yeah, I just let it, just go. Let it go. I think. Yeah. I, I think after seeing him in that other film, when I was like, okay, he's like kind of getting a little better, but he this was pre that. So I don't know. I just kind of let it go and um, didn't let that affect my um, ability to appreciate what the film actually was, which was something bigger than him. He's in every scene. It's so hard to yeah. let go of him. He he is the movie, but at the same time, he's not the movie. 
Like, it's kind of crazy how it's not, it's not just his story. It's anyone's story who's been in that position before, right. artistically or not, you know? And I think that's what really got me this time was, was just letting go of him and appreciating it for what it was. Okay. Nathan, how was Whiplash? <laughs> so I loved it the first time I saw it. Uh, I really enjoyed it this time as well. Although I'll, I'll say I find it really funny because for whatever reason, I had I saw it the first time and it's been a long time. I had this imagination in my head that I thought there was some sort of violent end at the end of it. I thought one of them killed each other or one of them hung themselves or I thought there was something. And the whole time I'm watching it this time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't remember which one gets it at the end, but they totally deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) But your headcanon version of Whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) So in another alternate universe, I must have seen this movie another time and there was something else going on. Um, You know, I, I think this movie is just uh, awesome to watch for the craftsmanship of it. I mean, the editing is amazing. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Christine called it a sports movie. I mean, that you know, when they do sports footage or action footage, if they're doing it right, they use like a really um, high rate film rate or whatever high so frame rate, like that really flashy frame rate. So it gets that really flashy look. And this whole movie is just like back to back with that, pretty much. I I, I didn't check. I didn't really look to see if like his more softer moments with his dad and that girlfriend of his um, had the same thing, but most of the movie isn't that stuff. It's him just nervous and dealing with the stress and that frame rate really kind of adds to that. Um, and of course the sound editing's editing's just amazing as well. Um, Miles Teller never bothered me in this. I didn't really have a strong feeling one way or the other with him. Um, I had seen him on another movie where I think he plays opposite Shailene Woodley and they're both drunks as teenagers. I don't, I don't remember what it was. He was fine in that one too. So I, I, I never had a problem with him. Um, I can see why he's not everybody's favorite actor, but I mean, JK Simmons is why you show up to this one anyways. So I I'm okay with putting up with whatever foibles miles teller. He was in another uh, film. Divergence. You know? The movie you're talking about with Shailene Woodley. No, I think it's another one. It, it wasn't a sci-fi thing. It was a um, indie flick. Maybe it wasn't Shailene Woodley, but he's in a he's in some sort of non sci fi flick where he shows up at a high school. He's a drunk. It, it was twenty twenty one and over. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Yeah. And also, I I don't care for Shailene Woodley either. Whatever. I I you know she's not in that movie. I, I'm not here to hate on these actors. I I mean I I there's there's I actors I don't like, but. He was fine in this. I didn't have a problem. He did not interrupt my enjoyment of the movie. And that's, you know, for someone in his position being on screen that damn much, that's pretty good. So um, that's probably what I have to say about it. I I was kind of sad no one died in the end, but, um, you know, (laughs) I liked it anyways. Alicia, how about you? Uh, I really like this film, too. I liked it the first time I saw it. Um, I think I liked it a little bit better now. And uh, I think I I thought it over a lot more after I watched it this time for some reason. Maybe just because at the time I saw it, I was watching quite a bit out of the theater all the time, which obviously we haven't done as much of here lately. Um, 
I I mean, obviously, the, it's J.K. Simmons' show the whole way, and he's brilliant, as everybody's mentioned. But um, I really love how the movie is really so simple. I mean, there's not a whole lot happening in this movie, but it it doesn't mean you're not tense, like Christine was talking about. I mean, it's even seeing it the second time, I know he's going to get hit by the truck. And I'm yeah. like bracing myself and like, oh my God, like, is he going to make it in time? I know what happens. I know his, his car gets flipped over and I'm still really um, worked up about it. I think this is a movie, if, if you're already tense, you do not need to watch this movie because you'll just be a mess afterwards. But um, I love thinking about in my head, kind of what I've really been thinking about a lot is that conversation that Fletcher and Andrew have in the jazz club after Fletcher's gotten fired. Yeah. And, uh, you know, them talking, him telling, you know, you need somebody to push you. It's, you know, if if somebody hadn't pushed Charlie Parker, he never would have become the bird and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and then Andrew kind of posing back, well, what about all the people that did get pushed? And so they left and they didn't ever become Charlie Parker because they were forced out mm-hmm. because of how horrible things were. So I love thinking about that. And then, of course, connecting that to the end where he has this stellar performance after being pushed and you can see the satisfaction and awe on Fletcher's face that just vindicated his entire method and reinforced everything he's been doing. It's definitely not going to keep him from doing that. But you know, what, what does Andrew think at the end? Obviously he still hates his guts. I mean, he, he hates him obviously, but is it, does he think he would not have become what he became without him? And he would probably say, yeah, he's a horrible person, but I did, you know, have my greatest moment on stage playing the drums because of what he did. So, and and that well, that whole scene when Fletcher comes over right before they start, and basically says, "I know it was you," and everything's like, "Oh, it is so good!" And he's just frantically trying to play music with the piece he doesn't know at all. And oh my gosh, that whole scene is just fantastic. Well, and I, I'm going to add one thing because it's actually my favorite shot in the movie um, is when they show Paul Reiser's face. Because mm-hmm. they they it's a very brief shot. It's like maybe two seconds long. But you watch Paul Reiser's just complete astonishment that what this guy has put his son through has actually worked. Right, and you can just tell from that shot that that's because he's always been the you know did the opposite of what J.K. Simmons said you should always do to someone, which is said, "Good job, son. You don't need to be you know." And yeah, and they have God, that moment. Dead they on. have that moment where you know Miles Teller walks off stage and. Paul Reiser's there and gives him a hug. And then he's yeah, like, yeah. he's he like, wait a minute, side. wait a minute. And then he goes back and takes over yeah. the show. I mean, it's maybe not a great lesson. I don't know. I mean, Paul Reiser, his dad is doing everything he possibly can. And obviously, you know, cares about his son and d- doesn't want him to go through all the verbal abuse, the mental abuse. And as you wouldn't, you know, and then, the fact that you're starting to question what's what is okay to do, I think it makes it a very successful movie. Yeah, so uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, Aaron and I reviewed it for the for the in the car movie reviews upon DaleMaxfield.com. Um, we both really enjoyed it. Um, J.K. Simmons, obviously, the best part of the whole thing. Um, I guess that this uh, was originally like a year before the movie came out. They made it as a short that's like 18 minutes long. Um, different cast except for J.K. Simmons. Uh, he was in the short as Flesher. And so he had the role down. Um, I mean, 
not that J.K. Simmons can't bring it. Like he's great in everything he's in. But uh, yeah, I um, I didn't have you know anywhere near um, the level of of ambivalence about uh, Miles Teller that Zach did the first time he watched it. <laughs> uh, I I do now. I, I'm I'm really not a fan of him now. Yes. Um, now and is there is this because of some stuff outside of the screen that's happened? No, or he's just a really bad an actor? actor. Okay, yes. I didn't know if you were also basing this on maybe personal information about him. No, or he's just really bad. Um, so, uh, <laughs> my thing with this movie. So, this is this is also a somewhat personal movie for me in that um, I was slash am a musician. Um, and I actually had a choir director who I really looked up to and was really, uh, closely involved with who kind of made this guy kind of made Fletcher look like a pussy. Um, (laughs) like he was basically like, like a jarhead Matthew McConaughey choir director and, was just the most like like he he had to be in control of everything in your life for you to be in his choir and to do your stuff the right way but he did really push me and I really did a lot more things and a lot better things than I would have done otherwise um but it was also very abusive and not something that I would wish on somebody um and that's kind of how I feel about the the character in Whiplash. I don't think that um, the ends justify the means in this case, and not just because what happens at the end of this movie is a complete fantasy. Um, it's a complete sports movie ending. Um, there is no way that the drummer takes over the show uh, under any circumstances. Um, that is, that is not how jazz works. That is not how music works. That's not like, no, like everybody would have stood up and walked off stage if somebody did something like that. And everybody in the seats would have gotten up and left. That would have been the end of the show. Um, somebody would have come over and taken his drumsticks and hauled him off. But, um, I, as I watched through it this time, um, because I liked it so much and because it was so highly regarded the first time, um, I watched it with a more critical eye toward, uh, the music, um, and how the music was incorporated things like, um, how, uh, uh, how well they did with, with things like sync. Um, like there's a couple of times where they show the piano player, like the, the hands on the keys and they're not doing anything like what you're hearing. Like they're going up and you're hearing somebody going down, um, that kind of stuff. But, uh, so here, here, here's my, my quick list of, of highlights from, from watching whiplash, uh, show me your rudiments is about the funniest thing you could ever say to a drummer. Show me your <laughs> rudiments. It's like, okay, you want me to just sit here and do a paradiddle for you for an hour? It's like, yeah, that's what I want. Um, but that's actually something that would, would happen when I play drums. So, um, 
I wrote down that Mike Mark is uh, yeah. uh Paul Reiser doesn't understand how someone could hate raisin nuts. Um <laughs> when Miles Teller beats the main drummer, he doesn't actually play better. As as a drummer, I can tell you that that there's no discernible difference or or betterness about him. And so that's J.K. Simmons playing his mind games at that point. Um, I, I wrote down the uh, the old fake-out date rejection. Uh, the the mm. girl telling him no and then just kidding. It's like, Good one. yeah, that's, uh, that's when you say, I was kidding. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Go to hell. Uh, <laughs> I also do want to real quick point out, so after they break up, he can never go back to that movie theater. <laughs> and that's like a thing for him and his dad. So sorry. I feel like his character would just keep going back there anyway. <laughs> so like he doesn't care. Um, and that's, that's something too with his performance in this movie. I think why it works for this movie is that his character is a self-centered douchebag. And that's kind of the vibe I get from Miles Teller. So it yeah. works. Like it might be mm-hmm. a little bit of typecasting, but it works. Um, when they tune their instruments before the first time that J.K. Simmons goes into the class, like they all are hitting like an A or a B flat or whatever, and they're all hitting, the, you know, tuning their notes because it's like five seconds until the the class starts. Every instrument is like 50 cents sharper than the instrument before. And as someone with like pitch detection, it like drove me insane. It's like, this is going to sound terrible when they do this, but it's another one of these like sonic tricks where when the pitch increases, it also increases tension. Sort of like, um, that whole thing. Um, I did not write down every single JK Simmons insult one-liner um but i wrote down a couple um this is not your boyfriend's dick do not come early um and are you a single tier guy do i look like a double fucking rainbow to you um those are my favorites uh there was one too i read about in trivia where jk simmons refused to say i will fuck you like a pig because the original line in the short was, I will gut you like a pig. Uh-huh. And Damien Chazelle went ahead and edited it together to make it sound like I will fuck you like a pig. But J.K. Simmons never actually says that. That's hilarious. So I watched an interview with the director. And he states that um, the line was, I'll gut you like a pig. And that J.K. Simmons fucked it up one time, but they liked it and kept it. And oh. that they changed. Oh, that could be. They uh, they used a cut for the trailer that had "I'll gut you like a pig." That makes sense. That would make more sense. I just was, you know, I read the IMDb trivia. That's that's what I read, but that would make more sense though. Um, I thought uh, it was uh, so another another musical thing, um. That first time that like he's got tellers in the uh, in the band and J.K. Simmons is just like stopping him and making him go again. It's like, nope, that's not my tempo. Nope, 
Now you're rushing. Nope. Now you're dragging. Nope. Now you're rushing. Every t- everything that he says in that scene is correct. Like he's not he he he's being very precise about what he wants, but every time his criticism is correct. It was either too fast or too slow or whatever it is that he says in that particular sequence. Um, I thought it was interesting. I didn't realize this the first time because uh, it's just kind of a throwaway piece of dialogue. But the moment where the folder is lost and Miles Teller ends up having to play the drum part because he's the only one that knows it by heart. Like the other guy didn't know it. That's a full month after his first time uh, rehearsing with the band. And I didn't catch that the first time. I thought it was a much shorter period of time, which is more like movie ridiculousness. But they actually say that like, you know, he's been turning the page for that guy for a month. He'd probably have this, this committed to memory by now. Um, and then the last thing um, I looked at um, at the end was that um, there's a composer and conductor named Tim Simonek, and he wrote a bunch of music for the movie. Um, a lot of their rehearsals are actually like written jazz pieces that are just the band rehearses part two, and it's something that he wrote that sounds like a jazz band rehearsing. And so all of those little bits and pieces are like, there for the uh, the uh, musicians to play um, in the right spots. Um, he also wrote the song Upswingin', which is the song that J.K. Simmons throws at him out of nowhere that he doesn't know um, to embarrass him at the end of the movie. So that little piece there. Um, but I went and counted. Uh, there are... From the time that they walk on stage at the end of the movie and play up swinging and he leaves and he comes back and then he does like his big crazy performance of Caravan that goes into that whole other thing at the end. Um, It's 17 minutes of screen time, which is a huge portion of the movie. And it feels like it goes by in about a minute. It's, It's just there's so much going on. Um, they do so much with just what's happening musically there and how it's shot and it stays exciting. And it it is like, it's like the championship game at the end of a sports movie, you know, or the, you know, the, the, the finalists at the Olympics or whatever kind of, kind of performance. Um, now just totally putting on my, my, you know, asshole musician hat and looking at the movie from that perspective. Um, I already said like everybody would have just like gang rushed him. If he (laughs) tried to like take over a show like that, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get that interested in it. Um, But the movie also uh, plays on this whole misnomer that, Good drumming, particularly good jazz drumming, is about speed and about playing as many notes as you possibly can. And that's just not what it's about. 
So while what he does is really impressive from a, I can't believe he's doing that with just four limbs kind of thing. It's, it's not, it's, 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 it's neither realistic, nor is it really that great to listen to. Like, you're not going to go, you know what? I'm going to get the whiplash soundtrack. Cause I really want that drum solo that he plays. It's just, it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Much, much more of a Phil Collins drum solo kind of guy. Yeah. Or, I mean, like <laughs> Phil Collins is my favorite drummer, by the way. So. No, I, I know. I love Phil but, Collins um, drumming. I, but like yeah. jazz drummers in general, like they're all about like pocket and feel and space and all of that stuff is is what you want, what you look for. Like when he's actually playing with the band, it's awesome. But when he goes into that stuff where he's just and some of the times when he's practicing, too, where he's just like hitting the cymbal as fast as he can. It's like, no, you don't do that. You don't you don't just sit there and try to like hit the symbol 300 times a minute. Like that's not how this works. Um, the amount of blood is ridiculous. Like you, your hands mm-hmm. do bleed when you play drums, like you'll split your, your knuckles open and stuff like that all the time, but not to the extent it was in this. And then um, the other one was that uh, um, c- cinematically and, and like photographically, it looks really cool when a symbol or a drum is wet so that when you strike it, all the water flies up well, they try to make it that he had like sweat all over the crash symbol at the end that he was like playing on. And so it was just completely drenched in water. And it was like, he would be dead if that much water came out of him. Like <laughs> I've played three hour shows and that much water didn't come out of me. So come on. But um, overall, I mean, I don't, I don't like, I don't think I liked the movie as much as I did originally. Um, I think it's a movie that's great to see once. I don't think it's a movie that really holds up to multiple, multiple viewings. Um, I kind of got everything I wanted to out of it. And um, I was very disappointed in the director's next movie um, and kind of kind of tagged out at that point. Because after yeah. this, he made La La Land. Yep. I have that same thing. Like I did, I did not like La La Land at all. I think I have a weird thing with Damien Chazelle. That's another one. That's just like, like Ryan Gosling is the savior of jazz. It's like, fuck you. Yeah. Just didn't feel real. But at least Ryan Gosling (laughs) isn't a plank of wood. Fair. (laughs) Self-centered douche. So I went back. The movie I was talking about, it does star um, Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. It's called The Spectacular Now. It it was an old indie movie before either one of them was a name, basically. Okay. So as is tradition, Aaron, what the hell, man? Why did we watch Whiplash? Man, I got really confused. I thought it was an Australian film. (laughs) (laughs) No, like when we went and watched this uh, way back when, I just I fell in love with it, man. Like I I was so captivated by J.K. Simmons. I was always a big fan of him as uh, Skoda on Law and Order, and I, I was I was really interested to see what he would do if given like a leading role in a movie because I. I hadn't really seen him in a starring role in a movie. And 
he just owned the screen from the time he was like the time he shows up to the end of that movie. He's just amazing. Like he, he tears miles Taylor Taylor's character down all the, all the band members down. But then in the very next scene, he says something that's charming as hell. And you're like, okay, maybe he's not that bad of a guy. And then he does something terrible. And it's, it's just awesome to see. And uh, Miles Teller, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan, especially after Fantastic Four. Um, <laughs> but I thought he was serviceable in this movie. Um, actually, uh, I've seen this movie so much. Like I, I decided after watching it this week to to kind of do a deep dive into interviews with the editor and and the director and I was shocked at how much work they said Miles Teller put into it. Filmed the movie, they front loaded the filming with all the scenes of him with his girlfriend or him right. with his family, like the so that he could scene. get up to speed and actually be able to play the drums. Yeah, and he played the drums for 99% of what you see on screen, yeah. according to the editor. And that, I thought it was amazing. See, and I, and I, uh, I believe that because I, he's, he, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on him here. I'm, I'm really not, but I believe that because with the exception of maybe a minute or two of the rehearsals beforehand, and the performance at the end of the movie, everything he's doing is like a second or third year drum student. It's the all the notes at once. It's the how fast can I freaking play? It's it's that kind of stuff. And it's 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 exciting to be in that place as a drummer. It's exciting to like get to that point that point where you can technically do that kind of stuff. And it's very uh, sort of show-offy playing, but it's not good playing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, it does. I just thought it was impressive. Yeah. Because, you know, like, to, to get yourself to even that level in a short amount of time is pretty impressive. Um, and, and didn't they the director for like 19 days? Wasn't it like a super short film? That sounds like right. That. Yeah. yeah. That, then that also uh, too is very impressive. So I'll give credit where credit is due. Yeah. And uh, the director talked about how the scenes with J.K. Simmons uh, scaring the hell out of the students and everybody looking confused is because they cast uh, actual music students and, and jazz band members as the the surrounding band and so when he would throw a chair or something they weren't expecting it and it was it was legitimate fear from them yeah and uh it's just there's so much about this movie that is captivating from from the time that he goes to talk to fletcher in the bar at the end of the movie uh well towards the end of the movie to the time the credits roll. I am just completely on the edge of my seat every single time I watch yeah. it. And I love the upright bass like player that. talking to him through that whole thing. We're just like, what the what fuck are, are you, you doing? doing? 
<laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and I, I will. This is my go-to movie. Like I, I will pop it on when I've got nothing else to watch. Like I, I just love it. And that's why. Well, cool. <laughs> no, I, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it too. Um, we saw it. I'm pretty sure we saw it opening night because that's how we saw most of those uh, in the car reviews. We were trying to give people a give people a information to make a decision about what they saw that weekend. So. Um, and that was one that I recommended to lots of people that year. So I was one of those people. That's why I went and saw yeah. it. How dare you? Well, I didn't know about your your hatred of Miles Teller at the time. And I don't think I had any feelings about Miles Teller the first time I saw it. I just, like, in retrospect, it's like, yeah, he is kind of just there, you know? <laughs> I I see, like, Zach in the theater off of your suggestion and then all of a sudden just like kind of like chris farley in that snl skit where he finds out that the uh the pasta that he was eating was made by like pizza hut or something (laughs) and he just loses his mind or no no the coffee's not folgers and he just loses his mind and just wrecks the whole store that's what happened when miles taylor came on screen so zach my question is would you be down for a miles teller versus godzilla movie Ugh, that's, that's kind of fanforstic. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what fanforstic is. Yeah, that's pretty much true, which I avoided. I, I didn't even give it the time of day because, one, him, but two, I heard how terrible it was. So, I mean, I would watch Godzilla eat him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like Godzilla versus Bambi, that old short film. Yeah. Well, Nathan, it is your turn to suggest a movie for us to watch. What would you like us to watch for next time? Um, This is going to be one of those where I'm not sure if people are going to love it or just wonder what the heck I was thinking. But uh, I remember watching it in the theater. I I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to subject you guys to Brigsby Bear. Okay. It is a a Kyle Mooney joint. He doesn't have a lot of joints, but this is one of them. Oh, here we go. I don't even um, want to get it. And it also it. stars Mr. <laughs> Mark Hamill. So buckle up, kids. Oh, it's my God. You've, you've torn me in two because I hate Kyle Mooney and I love Mark Hamill. <laughs> Why? <laughs> have you seen it, Zach? No, I actually haven't. I It is okay. on li- a list of movies that I would like to see. I did want to see it. Um, so uh, this will be a good one. We'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. Well, thanks everybody for the discussion on Whiplash. Thanks everybody for listening. We will see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.